The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He's a retirement strategist, founder of IQ Wealth Management, and author of a new book called Smart is the New Rich. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, you bet, Jordan. Nice to be here. So I talked a little bit about you, but give a little bit of your background in uh, the financial business leading up to uh, the creation of this book. Certainly. Uh, Jordan, I got my start in the financial world, you might say, back in uh, the real estate market back in the 1980s as an avid real estate investor and uh, as a real estate broker. And then, of course, uh, Desert Storm hit about 1990, and, and uh, many of the investments I owned uh, ran into that uh, surprise that real estate doesn't always go up. And uh, I began to take a very strong interest in the stock market and all forms of assets. So I made the move over into financial planning back in the early to mid-90s. And uh, from there, uh, our practice has grown steadily. We, uh, I was on the radio in the Los Angeles market for a number of years. And uh, recently, of course, uh, the last four years here on Money Radio in Phoenix, our uh, practice is really built around retirement planning, uh, more for the 50, 60, 70-year-old person than the 20- or 30-year-old person. So we're going to get into some detail, but what was the reason behind doing Smart as the New Rich? What do you think had, uh, that is covered in this book that is not covered in a lot of other books? Well, uh Jordan, the main thing in Smart as a New Rich is that we want to paint the picture of where people are right now and allow them to perhaps get to the summit, a peak, uh, a mountain, if you will, to have an overview, to be able to understand historically what's happening. And we, we really are at a historic time. Uh, interest rates are now at uh, their 200-year lows. They officially hit the 200-year low. Uh, in 2012, at around 1.47, I believe, on the 10-year Treasury. But we're close enough for government work. We've been hanging in that 1.5 to 2.5 range on 10-year Treasuries, with the 30-year finding a lot of uh, uh, two percentage points uh, uh, returns for quite some time, maybe in the range of three. But that's going to be staying for a while, and that's because we have come off of that uh, peak in, in 1980, where interest rates had hit 15, 18 percent. Many listeners remember that. And there's always a reason for interest rates uh, to go up or down. We know that. You know that very well. The fact is that in 1980, Paul Volcker was trying to break the back of inflation and eventually worked. We've been coming down off of that peak for over 32, 33, 34 years, now 35 years. And the fact is, is that during that time frame, interest rates going down was a good thing for bondholders. It was a, a bond bull market, no question about it. 
The deflationary trends, though, have continued. And when we say deflation, of course, we're talking about all the effects of uh, cheaper foreign labor, of uh, robotics, of automation. Uh, many people are uh, we, we see every day where you have thousands of, of people losing their jobs and that simply don't come back. And as people retire from the workforce, you see that uh, these jobs are not being replaced, certainly not with the six-figure incomes and 30-year careers that the baby boomers had. And one of the points we make in the book is that the big gusher in the stock market largely due, and that was, of course, between 1983 and, and 1999, largely due to real live innovation and in, an economy that just uh, was roaring. And uh, you would have to say a much more healthy economy in creating new employment opportunities and careers, not just jobs. And the fact is, though, that those people that uh, who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s back in those days, in the 80s and 90s, are now in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they simply do not have the same risk tolerance. They don't have the same habits. And if you're going to own the stock market, we all know it's a supply and demand dynamic that we're talking about. And if you start having people checking out of the risk side of the trade and moving more into income assets, you aren't going to have the, the overall demand, in my view, and in a lot of people's view, demographically to support the prices in your stock. So there's a, just a big... So you're saying there's really a demographic reason why interest yeah. rates are as low. And, then, and therefore, as the baby boom continues to retire, that's going to continue. You're going to have low interest rates for a very long time uh, because people are retiring and not producing as much and because they're more risk-averse and want to put money into bonds instead of stocks. Is that what you're saying? They want to put money into bonds, but unfortunately they're running into risks there. And, you know, to, to be specific, deflation is the reason interest rates are low. Demographics is the reason why the stock market could head toward leaner years. I mean, we've had John Bogle on our radio show in, in, in the Phoenix area, and he mentioned that we've had such an a increase in the market and the money that's gone into it over the past six years, that it's going to be very difficult for the speculative and dividend return to hit 4% annual over the next 10 years. And in the book, uh, I quote John Bogle and go ahead and, and demonstrate his formula uh, that he was talking about back in the uh, uh, late 90s and early 2000s. And, of course, his famous saying, Jordan, you know what it is, your age in bonds. And uh, the only problem is bonds don't mean the same thing today that they meant back in the 1990s and 2000s from an interest rate uh, perspective. And it's going to stay that way is basically what you're saying. Now, the recent yeah. events we've had, kind of the implosion in Greece and the big downturn in China, uh, the, the uh, default of Puerto Rican, $72 billion worth of bonds, um, these are all deflationary events. Would you agree on that? you think there'll be more right. deflationary events like that? Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Deflation, much more pernicious than inflation and longer lasting and harder to get out of. So, okay, so the, the big problem, while this is happening, while interest rates are staying low, you're saying the big problem for baby boomers is they're living longer and they haven't saved enough. And what they have saved is not earning enough to uh, maintain their lifestyles, basically. So what, That's right. So this is, where you, this, is, this, is, this is where you come in and offer solutions 
But uh, tell me a little bit about the interaction you have with your clients. People coming in, they got a decent amount of money, they don't want to take any risk. So how does that conversation go when you tell them uh, you just can't put it in CDs and bonds anymore, you've got to do something different? It's a great question. Uh, that's part of how the discussion goes. Uh, many people who are coming to see me now, uh, million, three million, five million, ten million dollar net worth, and yet their biggest fear is still that a sequence of events, a sequence of market downturns or a health setback could result in them losing uh, all or a good portion of their money during their lifetime. It's still the number one fear of Americans, and it ranks above dying. And so when they come in, they've been listening to me typically on the radio for a while, and the bottom line is is that they understand that we use a bucketing system where we understand that you're going to have to pay your bills from now on. If you're spending $100,000 a year, uh, you are going to perhaps need uh, to, live, to fund yourself for another 30 years at least, and we don't know that uh, you won't need it for longer. That's $3 million in today's dollars. So not even counting for inflation, you're going to need $3 million in consistent, safe, secure income. Where's it going to come from? And that's the big question. In the old days, if you had a million bucks, you could easily sit back and live off $50,000, $60,000 a year in bonds. Today, uh, that's just not the case. You've got a uh, million dollars. will pay you about 20 thousand to thirty thousand dollars a year before taxes that's coming out of an ira those taxes are going to potentially affect your social security and that sort of thing but many people spend sixty eighty hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year even in retirement because people don't retire like they used to do they're not sitting on the porch they're not uh, uh, pushing a shuffleboard uh, puck around. What they're doing is traveling, being active, and living the same kind of lifestyle. Hey, it's baby boomers. All we all we just want everything. That's what we want. And the bottom line is, is that it's got to be funded in some systematic way in our belief, and that's why we believe that smart really is the new rich. Get smart about your money. Insure your income. Insure your outcomes. Then invest the rest with purpose. You have what you call the sequence of returns risk. What do you mean by that, and how do one guard against that? It uh, is an extremely important thing to, uh, to realize that the order of returns that you get in, an, in a pile of investments are very important. If you, if you have, uh, take, take a 20-year period, for example, 1989 to 2008, the uh, the years in there were some of the biggest years ever, up to 37%, up 30%. 1989 was up 31%. Only five down years for that 20-year period, culminating in 2008 with a 37% decline. The average return, 8.43% return. Well, if I reverse that sequence and I'm not drawing any money out of there, the return is still 8.43% return. I'll have the same amount of money. But if I start withdrawing from that same portfolio, and let's say we have a $700,000 portfolio, and we need $35,000 a year, that's about 5%. If you're withdrawing that from, let's just use the S&P 500 as a proxy, uh, if you pay fees of, say, 1.5%, you take your 35000 and let's say you break even the first year. You're down to 654500 Now we've reversed 
the sequence of returns, we get the 37% decline now this next year. That's a $242,000 loss. You pay your fees, you pay yourself, you're down to 371150 24 months into retirement. Even though you have a 6% gain the next year after you pay your fees and pay yourself, you're mathematically down to $350,690, 36 months into retirement. You've lost half your money. At the pace you're going, you'll be out of money in 18 years. So you're seeing this happen with a lot of people, that they thought they had enough and just they're not able to because of their expenses and they're not getting the returns, they're running out of money in retirement pretty soon. Very definitely. And in the old days, you could have 50% of your money on the uh, bond side at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9%. Uh, some of the, I mean, treasuries were paying 7 and 8 back in the some parts of the 90s. Now at 2%, that's the problem. I mean, you've only had a couple of years, 1931 and 1969, where both stocks and bonds have gone down in the same year. We're setting up for one of those years soon, but the fact is bonds going down, of course, means interest rates somewhat rising, which the Fed is trying to do, but eventually they'll be successful. And when they're successful and people start to see interest rates rise a little bit, they will see losses in their bond funds, and it's going to be a shocker. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He's the founder of IQ Wealth Management based in uh, Arizona. He's a retirement strategist, and he has a new book called Smart is the New Rich. You can find out more about him at his website, which is iqwealth.com. We'll be back after this. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. What is the Serve Hour? Well, to start, it's a different kind of listening experience. It's one that involves you. Host Jim Blackburn and his engaging guests in some very provocative and opinion-shaping conversations you'll hear and be invited to participate in that will challenge traditional beliefs about management and today's workplace. Also, these conversations will help you look at yourself and your work differently. Make it your business to tune into Voice America Business for The Serve Hour, live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. It will shake you awake. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He's the founder of IQ Wealth Management based in Arizona. He's a retirement strategist and author of a new book called Smart is the New Rich. You can find out about him more at his website, which is iqwealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. So we've described the problem here, which is that people are not earning as much. They're going to be living longer. They haven't saved enough. They could run out of money in retirement. So Mm -hmm. one of your favorite strategies to address this is annuities, Mm -hmm. um, and there are different kinds of annuities. Let's just start with the basics of what annuity is and why it can be a helpful uh, tool in combating the problem we've just uh, set up here. A very good question. The fact is, of course, that uh, the important thing to understand about annuities is that they are not investments in the truest sense. Um, When people look to lower the risk on their overall portfolios, they're trying to lower that beta. They're trying to find non-correlated assets uh, to offset the risks they're taking in other areas. And, of course, uh, as we talked about in the last segment, the traditional bond approach it may not be reducing your risk much. Sure, it it's, uh, may not be perfectly correlated to the stock side of your portfolio, but you still have your own set of risks, interest rate risk being one of those. And, of course, increasingly in many of the bond funds out there, unconstrained bond funds, as a matter of fact, you have an increasing number of junk bonds going into safe-sounding bond funds and an increasing amount of derivatives, up to 40%. Many of these unconstrained bond funds are leveraged two and three times uh, the value of the bond fund itself. So people are saying to themselves, should I invest in an annuity? And that's really not a good question because you don't go to an annuity as an investment seeking to get this rate of return to build up a lump sum. My whole premise is, is that cash flow, not just cash, is king in the future. If you can have all manners of ups and downs in the stock markets, yet your income is coming in steadily, reliably, predictably, on a regular basis for the rest of your life, for you and your spouse, you don't have as much to worry about. What type of financial instrument can insure that? Well, there's the word, insure. The fact is, is only an annuity can guarantee an insured income payout for the rest of your life. This gets to be an issue there, of course, with annuities that they have uh, a lot of, there are a lot of preconceived notions about what they are. If you stop 10 people uh, on the street and say, you know, what is an annuity? I'm I'm guessing you're going to get 10 blank stares, and maybe every once in a while you'll get somebody that can give you a pretty good explanation. But the fact is, is we've been hooked on investments in the accumulation phase and in the accumulation uh, thought process since uh, the early 80s. When when the big bull market started, we got in denial after uh, 9-11. We had the real estate refinance boom, and then all of a sudden – We've had 2008, and now people are saying, well, okay, I'm getting this now. It's going to go up and down. I want to look under another stone. They find annuities. When they get there, they're faced with four types of annuities, Jordan. They're, they're, the categories are very simple once you just start to look at them. There are immediate annuities, and these are the type of annuity that people hear about that if you die, the insurance company keeps your money. 
They only represent less than 10% of all annuities sold on a regular basis. ARP sells a lot of them because you're an ARP, you feel comfortable. They wouldn't be offering you something you don't want. And so you see uh, an annuity from, say, a New York Life, and it's offering um, 6 or 7%. And then you find so, out. And, and just to be clear, an immediate annuity is where you roll over a certain lump sum, and right. then you start collecting on it right away. But if right. you die, you basically lost your capital. Is what an yeah. immediate annuity is, right? Correct. So is, is six or seven percent typically what people can get on those today? Well, actually, it's not an interest rate, so that's it's based on mortality. So six percent if you're in your late sixties, in your seventies, seven, in your eighties, probably eight, nine. Uh, so it, but it's a rate of return paying you your own money back, along with a little bit of interest. The proposition there is if you live to be 90 or 95 or 100, they'll keep paying you. You can put a guarantee for a certain period of time. Each, uh, Let's say that you take a life income, but you want to make sure that if you die within the first 10 years, that your beneficiaries would receive any money that you haven't been paid. It would continue to receive your income. The problem there, of course, is if you take nine years of income, then you die. Your beneficiaries only have one year left. So immediate annuities sound good on the surface until you dig deep and you say to yourself, wait a minute, I'm going to lose access to this lump sum of money. I don't know that I feel comfortable with that. So they start looking around for other types of annuities, and there are three other types, variable, fixed, and fixed index. Variable. Well, let's, let's, it, let's take them one at a time. The variable sure. is we have a, a choice of different stock and bond funds within the annuity Right. Um, so, but that uh, subjects you to the whims of the stock and bond markets right. and having to pick right funds. So, when, when is it appropriate to have a variable annuity? I think uh, the the appropriateness of a variable annuity is more uh, for somebody who has a high risk tolerance and doesn't mind paying a lot of fees for the types of insurance to offset your losses in the stock market. The, the most appropriate times have been, just historically, when the market is about to rise greatly. So it wasn't a bad time in 2009 or 2010 to start an immediate annuity. You got a, a big, nice boost, of course, in 2012 and 2013. But unfortunately, the fees can range in the range of 3 to 4%. You have mortality uh, charges, you have rider charges. Both of those can be 1.5% each. And then you have the sub-account management fees, which are those mutual funds, and that's a source of revenue for the insurance company as well. And so it turns out to be a 4% uh, load of fees. And as I said, when the market's rising, you're not noticing that. You're saying, well, I own this thing that even if it all went to zero, I'd have an income of 4 or 5% for the rest of my life. So I'm okay with this is what you're thinking. Well, what's happening now is people are starting to look at these fees. If you have a $300,000 variable annuity and you've got, when you really add it up, 4% in fees, that's $12,000 a year. Over and that's every years, year. It's not just a one-time thing. Right. And then on top of that, there are surrender charges, right? So if you want to get at your money early for whatever reason, uh, how long do those surrender charges tend to last? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, there, there are surrender charges. I, I don't know that I say on top of that because it'd be in a different column completely. Uh, if you're surrendering, yeah, then it would be on top of that. If you're not surrendering, then uh, it's not ever going to come into play. Typically, with all deferred annuities, uh, 
variable fixed and fixed index. You can uh, take out 10% of your money penalty-free every year with zero surrender charges. The surrender charges are in there so that the insurance company can actually pay an agent but also can pay uh, can buy longer-term investments on your behalf. Otherwise, it would be a money market. So the bottom line is, is yes, you're right, though, uh, Jordan. If you got tired of that variable annuity and wanted to get out early after two or three years, you would have surrender charges. They can be 6 or 7%, and they typically last on an L-series four years, but they can last between four and nine years on a variable annuity typically. And, and they de- decline over time. They start decline. higher. And decline and then vanish by, after a less. period of time. Mm-hmm. Right. But people just be aware of that. Yes. Okay. Right. So yeah. that's the variable annuity. Okay, then the next one would be fixed annuities, where you have a fixed rate of return for the life, or is it uh, for five years? How do the fixed annuities work? That's an excellent question. There'll be a nowadays. There's a minimum guarantee of one percent. It used to always be three (laughs) percent, and they've had to adjust that back. But uh, fixed annuities are a lot like just buying a treasury bond. You're going to earn an interest rate. The advantage over the treasury bond is is that you can remove your interest every year if you wish on a, a on a monthly basis if you want rather than quarterly or semi-annually. Uh, they're only paying though two to two and a half percent because they're reflective of the long bond rates. Back in uh, 1999, I had uh, 10-year uh, annuities from A plus carriers, guaranteeing eight percent a year for 10 years. And I've heard you talk about what people were expecting as investors back in 1999. Right, right. And they would look at me like, you want me to tie my money up for eight or for 10 years at 8%? You've got to be crazy. Yeah. Today, They'd love to, today love to have, have that today. Line. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'd have a line all the way to New York right now. So 2 to 2.5% two is what you can get on fixed yeah, annuities. Yeah, that's all you're getting with the fixed right now. Yeah. Um, and, and what kind of fees are involved in a fixed annuity and getting into Oh, not. Like- uh, that's. That's what you see is what you get. There so are that's no a net fees. amount, but there is a charge. Yeah. Just explain the commission side. So if somebody gets a fixed, say they put 100000 into it, right. they're getting 2%. What kind of fees are withdrawn from their capital uh, for the initial commission? Zero. Absolutely nothing. Uh, that's one of the biggest things out there. I read journalists giving it a shot at trying to explain an annuity. Uh, your uh, capital is not reduced by even one penny for any fee, any any commission. That's that's an actual. If you've ever bought a product or ever been a manufacturer's rep, you might have a listener who's been a manufacturer's rep. The product is contained, and the insurance company knows that without the agent, they would not have the customer. And so it's really a sharing of the revenue by the insurance company. They reduce their profit in order to accommodate having an agent in the field. So, so is the commission coming out of the return as the insurance company is actually earning three and a half or something, and they're paying the commission and their own expenses out of the spread over the two and a half? Is that the way it works? Uh, possibly. I mean, here's an example of just one of our companies uh, that had a $6.2 billion uh, intake in revenue, gross revenues last year. Their net uh, revenue for the year after paying agents all expenses was $151 million with an M. So, yeah, I don't know that they're making 3.5%. They're, they're operating on a spread, but with you, uh, we're getting 2 or 2.5 or 3% on a fixed annuity. You'd get the full 2, 2.5, 3. There'd be no other deductions, and you could take out 10% of your money penalty-free every year. And as far as taxes, when you ta- it's, it's growing tax-deferred inside the annuity, Right. When you're taking money out, that is a taxable event. Is that correct? 
can be. Uh, most annuities today, by the way, are IRAs, and uh, so that's taxed just like an IRA. But when you have a non-qualified annuity, you aren't paying any taxes uh, and not even getting a 1099 in the interim until you start taking money out. You'll get taxed on the interest that you've built up first. If you keep on taking money out, you, you'll start to uh, touch principal. As soon as you touch principal, you're not paying any taxes on that. You can annuitize a fixed annuity uh, before you would run out, and uh, then you would have a tax break uh, because you're you're not going to be taxed on your principal. You're only going to be taxed on the interest. Interest, yes, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Steve Jurich. Uh, he is uh, with uh, the founder of IQ Wealth Management. Uh, his website is iqwealth.com. We'll be back after this. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth, and in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money. Featuring Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski, our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He's a retirement strategist, founder of IQ Wealth Management in Arizona, and his website is iqwealth.com. He has a new book called Smart is the New Rich. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. So we've talked about uh, fixed annuities. We've talked about variable annuities. We've talked about immediate annuities. Uh, mm-hmm. and then what I think you're a big fan of, which is called fixed index annuities. So explain how right. those work. I'm not a big fan of all fixed index annuities. Uh, I think the category, when we're backing up just a bit, there are four categories of annuities, immediate, variable, fixed, and fixed index, like you said. 
And the category of fixed index has a lot of players in it. There are probably about 60 companies offering fixed index annuities, some far more competitive than, than others. And I guess our claim to fame is that you know, we use proprietary software to review up to 2,700 different annuities. And being a fiduciary, licensed as a fiduciary, my job is to make sure that my clients are getting the best there is. And uh, the fact is, is that there are a series of questions we have to go through to find out what is going to be best for each particular client. One of the things about fixed index annuities is that it is a fixed annuity with indexed interest. Not one penny of your money is invested directly into the market, not ever. So people are looking for safety today, but they don't want to settle for uh, the 2 or 3% a fixed annuity would pay. And they're looking over under another rock, and they're saying, what's this fixed index annuity deal? How does this work? And then they learn that the Wharton School of Business did a two-year comprehensive study back in the uh, mid to late 90s after the 2008 crash, and they discovered that fixed index annuities have been very similar to what you might call a bond proxy, that they've been averaging in the range of 4 to 7%, going all the way back to when they started back in 1995. So, uh, but, but that's been had, based on the stock market doing quite well. I mean, if, if the stock market had a lot of years like 2008, the index part of the fixed index annuity would, would not be doing well. You wouldn't lose money, but you wouldn't be gaining at a 7 or 8% range. Excellent point. Uh, for example, the S&P by, the, uh, by December 31st of, of 2008 was down 37%. You would have had a zero year in a fixed index annuity, but zero would be your hero. You, you didn't lose, in that case we talked about in the earlier segment, you didn't lose $242,000. You still had your $700,000. And then the next year on the rebound, the uh, indexing is adjusted. You start down 37% on your indexing, and let's say that uh, the, let's just use the uh, the Dow as an example. If it was at 10,000, it was that's not what it was, but if it was at 10,000 before 2008 and fell down to 6,000, the index on your index annuity would be adjusted down to that 6,000 mark, but your money would still be intact. So now you would make your interest based on the move from that 6,000 Dow to the 7,000 Dow, and then that would get added to your principal, never to be lost again, which is really nice. It's called a ratcheting effect, where once you've realized the interest, once you've made a gain, if you will, that you don't ever lose it again. It becomes part of your new principal. And there are no management fees. There are no sales commissions coming out. Nothing. That's what people are shocked about. That's what the Wharton School was actually shocked about. They said, man, we had heard so many bad things. And then they, they really exposed they had a 98-page report, very interesting report, where they said this, these things are getting a bad rap. Uh, and so if, really if you would explain fixed index annuities from the insurance company's point of view, they're getting in this premium dollars. Right. They're not actually investing it in stocks or anything directly. What right. are they doing with it to be able to produce those kind of returns and ultimately uh, payouts to people who are in these annuities? Great question. First of all, they've got a legal obligation because they are regulated, audited, and licensed in all 50 states, and they have got to maintain an amount of reserves, typically somewhere between 102 to $104 in reserves that have to be high-quality reserves, bond-type uh, quality, to 
uh, take care of their actuarial obligations for everybody that owns an annuity because the annuity is still a contract that can pay you for life. This isn't an investment again. This is a retirement annuity that has the benefit of gaining interest indexed to the market. So what they have to do is set aside most of the money you give them. It's going into bonds and, and their general portfolio. That is a highly conservative, by law, highly conservative portfolio. Any amount they have left over, they have a uh, institutional option uh, account, if you will. It's a rolling call option, very specific to the insurance industry. And so if the Let's say you've bought a call option, Jordan. You know how it works. If the market goes up uh, and you have a call option and you bought it at a good price, then you would get a gain, and that would get added into your account over at Fidelity or Vanguard or wherever you just uh, traded options. The insurance companies do that. That's it. it there, there's no downside risk to it except the cost of the option, but that's built into the product. There is no guesswork. Most people are so used to investments where there's a lot of guesswork, there's a lot of maintenance, there's a lot of wondering what they're going to do this year. You're only indexing once a year, and the fact is the insurance company is is able to uh, put the money aside for indexing in advance. Where the benefit comes is if interest rates rise while, while bond fund investors will be losing, and fixed index annuity owners will be gaining because the insurance companies can then afford to put less into bonds and more into the options. So, so they're doing call options. Are they also doing put options to protect against the downside of the stock market where yeah, it falls? They, they, they do put a, uh, a, a put position in as a hedge as well. That's correct. So, so in a 2008, when the market's down 36% or some huge amount, right. the put options would be rising in value sharply. Yeah. offsetting the cost of the call options, which expire worthless. Is that the way it works? Correct. Yep. So you're covered on the downside and participating in the upside. Now, there are different options as to which index you can choose. Most people probably do the S&P 500, but there are also mid-cap and uh, international and the Dow Jones Industrials. Are there other indexes you think it makes sense to Absolutely. index yourself to in a, in a fixed index annuity? Correct. Uh, in the past several years, the, one of the aspects of the cost of an option, Jordan, as you know, is the volatility involved. That can uh, price an, an option uh, too expensively, and you can't buy as many. So what happened is the engineers, the financial engineers at the insurance companies, have been searching out lower volatility indexes. An example, the S&P 500 dividend aristocrats, uh, the Barclays dynamic balance. These are mixed uh, stock bond, even commodity-type uh, uh, indexes that have lower volatility and therefore lower cost. Now, with some of these index uh, strategies, you're able to have just a spread where you don't get the first two or three percent of a gain, but it's uncapped beyond that. So, if the market went up 15 percent, you might not get the first three percent, but you'd get the 12 percent over that. We had a number of fixed index annuities who this year came in at a nine, 10, or 11 percent gain in interest. And that's because it, it, uh, from the day they bought it, 12 months ago, to the day it came in, and they never put their money at risk at one time. No one has ever lost one penny in a fixed index annuity since their inception in 1995. So do you recommend those kind of new indexes as opposed to traditional S&P 500? I like them, yeah. They they give you a sense that you have a fighting chance to uh, 
to make a, a 8, 10, or 11% gain in a year. And yet you always know that you, you can go to bed at night or go traveling in Europe or do what you want to do, and you're, you're not going to lose. And, and you're, no one's going to take away what you've already made. That's a big deal. So then when you get to the distribution phase, so say you've had a fixed index annuity for several years. It's built up from 100000 to 500000 mm-hmm. uh, Tell me about the withdrawal strategy. Do you actually withdraw from it, uh, which is a taxable thing, or do you borrow against it? How do you take the money out to use it in retirement? Yeah, borrowing uh, with no tax, that has to do with uh, overfunded life insurance uh, set up properly. With annuities, you don't really borrow against it. And in this day and age, if someone is buying an annuity now, uh, they're really rolling it over typically uh, from their 401K or IRA rollover, driving out the mutual funds, driving in the annuity. And fixed index annuities now come with income riders that basically will guarantee you an insured uh, income sustainable for the rest of your life. And that previous example, we were talking about taking that 5%, that 35000 a year. You'd be guaranteed that for you and perhaps your spouse from now on, even if someone lives to be 105. And uh, that's an insurance aspect to the annuity that you just can't get on Wall Street. And that's what makes it such a good proxy for a that's bond a portfolio. Guaranteed income, no matter how the portfolio does, is what you're Correct. saying. So yep. if the stock market kept going, going down year after year, you would mm-hmm. keep getting the same income no matter what. Yeah, it, absolutely. If all your return, let's say the stock market went down 10 straight years, obviously never happened. And if you got a zero return in your accumulation account, your insured income side is going to continue to pay you that 35000 That is all uh, covered by the insurance company, and they have to keep reserves for that as well. How strong are the insurance companies offering these index annuities? Because it, it's not all the major big companies. It's tend, tend to be a bit smaller companies that are offering these. Is that correct? The major majors, I mean, there are some major majors, I mean, uh, that do offer uh, fixed index annuities, and they're big players. But most of the bigger players are into the much more profitable for them variable annuities and immediate annuities, uh, all your New Yorks and Mets and all of those. They literally just can't go dancing into the fixed index category because it is a, uh, a, a process. You're going to be unprofitable as a company for several years. The big players in fixed index annuities, I'd say the smallest companies, there might be a couple that have a billion or two dollar, a billion or two billion dollars of assets. But the companies we work with, I'd recommend making sure there's at least $10 billion in assets. I like 30 to $50 billion better. And uh, the fact is, though, that every one of these insurance companies, many of them, uh, have been around for 100 years, Jordan. And, and so that means that they've made it through World War One, World War Two, the 29 crash, uh, the Depression, JFK assassination, 9-11 in 2008. They're still going strong and have never lost one penny and are disallowed from filing a bankruptcy. And that's the thing that most journalists don't understand. Uh, a life insurance company cannot file bankruptcy to get out of their obligation. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He is a retirement strategist, founder of IQ Wealth Management in Arizona, and his uh, new book is called Smart is the New Rich, and his website is iqwealth.com. We'll be back after this.
Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Jurich. He's a retirement strategist, founder of IQ Wealth Management in Arizona. Uh, his new book is called Smart is the New Rich, and his website is iqwealth.com. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thank you, Jordan. So you have some fun words that you kind of have new definitions for in your book, Smart is the New Rich. Uh, the mm-hmm. first one is, is CHEAT, C-H-E-A-T. What does that stand for, and what should people do with that? to uh, someone I met many years ago who was in the financial business that uh, had served in Korea, and he said in the, in the Army, um, that there is a, a term, and he says, uh, the reason that I win so often is that I cheat. You know, I kind of laugh, and he said, well, um, let me explain what I mean. The letters stand for Create Highly Effective Alternative Techniques, and uh, that's the uh, phrase that stuck, and it's part of actually in the title of the book for that reason. fact is is that this is a time period where we really do have a situation where you're going to have to figure something out. Interest rates are just far too low, and the uh, stock market risk is too high for, for most people. And it, this is a time where you're going to have to create highly effective alternative techniques. So, and in your case, annuities, as what we've been talking about, 
is the, the preferred alternative technique that you're referring to? Carefully selected annuities. I'm not a guy that pounds his chest about annuities. I reject over 98.5% of them. And, uh, but, yes, it is a category that certainly uh, can be effective and something that can, uh, can help you achieve what your goals are without just keeping your money sitting in the stock market and waiting to get hit. The next uh, term you use is LUCK, L-U-C-K. What does that stand for? Keep your liquidity, utility, control, and knowledge in the right places. In other words, everybody wants liquidity. As a matter of fact, the reason why people go into mutual funds, Jordan, is they think they're quick on the draw, that uh, they hope for the best, but if something goes bad, that they can just cash out. Even if they lost 12 or 13%, which that's what tends to happen, it gets sloppy. You do lose money sometimes just trying to cash out when everybody's redeeming. But uh, liquidity is overrated. It's not a, you know, there's no such thing as safety in liquidity. It's just an aspect that you could get out with your shirt, hopefully. Utility means choose your investments for the purpose and the function you want them to perform, especially in retirement. Know what it is you want to do with that money. Make those dollars march to your command. Control. Well, I think all of us want to have a sense of control, that we've done everything we can to make sure that we've got a sense of control over our money and that we're feeling smart. And then knowledge is the the last, the K, if you will, you got to have some knowledge about all of this, what we're talking about. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but, you know, frankly, I'm working with a lot of engineers and teachers who use calculators for a living who are suddenly saying, you know, having a part of my portfolio based on mathematics as opposed to the markets makes a lot of sense. And then you have a term which is DUMB, D-U-M-B. What does that stand for? That would be diversifying under misguided beliefs. And... Um, Again, that comes back to bond funds as an example. You know, you, you can say, well, I'm diversified. I've got 50% of my money in stocks, and I've got 50% of my money in bonds. And yet, in this day and age, most likely you don't own one single bond. You own bond funds where you don't own – your name's not on any of those bonds. You couldn't choose to hold the bond until uh, it matures to protect your principal. You own shares of a company that buys, sells, and trades those bonds. And their value, that company's share value, can go down on any given day outside of your control. Take a look at PIMCO that's lost over a billion dollars in uh, investor capital. You go down with redemption sometimes. So you're diversifying under a misguided belief. If you fall asleep at the wheel and say, oh, I'm half in stock, half in bonds, I'm diversified. I don't think so. I think you should be seeking uh, to get off the railroad track on some of these investments and turn some of these uh, outcomes of yours into insured outcomes. And there you are completely non-correlated and truly well-diversified. Now, a lot of people have pensions. You say it's important to figure out the net present value of a pension. A lot of people don't know how to do that. When you go through the calculation and somebody has a pension, how do you do that in figuring out how much they need, how much they're going to get from the pension, and how much, therefore, they need from the annuity? We do uh, 
the sophisticated calculations are sometimes necessary. It really boils down sometimes, uh, Jordan, to really doing a budget and making sure that we are meeting. We build out a complete bucketing system for income in our office. Uh, recently, I'll give you an example, though. I had a teacher who, who moved from Chicago. She came in, and she didn't have much money in her uh, 403B because she's so generous with her kids that um, – she was down to less than $50,000 in her savings, and she's 60 years old and divorced. And she was feeling really bad about herself. And, and, and we looked down, and she has a pension paying $48,000 a year for life. Do you know at the interest, with the interest rates on bonds today, how big a portfolio you'd have to have to create an income, a safe income of $48,000, well over a million and a half dollars. She left there feeling pretty good. There wasn't much I could do to help her, but I said, keep the other amount safe. Tell your kids your, your, the bank is closed. Yeah. And just spend that money now and enjoy yourself. So it's, but, but, but that's pretty unusual, right? Defined benefit pension unusual. plans. Most people if have a pension. It's twelve thousand, twenty-four thousand a year. Your Social Security uh, actually has is is quite valuable. Think about what it would take at today's interest rates to pay a safe, secure rate of return, and quit worrying so much about that lump sum. If you have income coming in where you're not having to tap into your growing investments, you're getting more income using fewer dollars, thereby building more wealth with that growth portfolio. Do you have concerns about the long-term viability of Social Security and be able to plan on it, or do you think there might be changes or a means test or other major changes to Social Security? Wow, there's a lot of uh, kind of questions there. I do believe means testing will come into play. Uh, I just don't know how it can't. Uh, you're going to have pretty soon the millennials are going to be very upset, and they're going to start being the decision makers as, as some of the older people retire and, and move on. And they're going to come in, and they're going to say, hey, we're not taking the, the entire brunt of this hit. You people over there that have a half a million million in the bank, $2 million, we think you shouldn't be getting as much anymore. That could happen. I mean, this world, as you know, Jordan, is changing at a very fast clip. Many of the things we thought we'd never see are happening. So it's, it's a. It's so so what would that mean me. for somebody who's got a certain Social Security benefit they're expecting now? Say they're kind of higher income and there's mm -hmm. a means test. It means they're going to receive less from Social Security than they were counting on? Or what are the actual meaning of that? It could mean that they won't get the inflation bumps. That would probably be a kinder type of uh, surprise. It could mean that they uh, will uh, raise taxes on Social Security. We already have a system of taxing Social Security benefits. They could raise taxes on Social Security if you have an income over a certain amount. And then they also uh, might say, uh, hey, we're, we're going to do this calculation, and based on uh, the, the our calculations, you're only going to get 94% uh, or 84% of the income that we thought you were going to get. And um, next, please, that that could happen. Yeah. But if those are kind of changes around the edges. Do you think, even if those changes are made, that basically Social Security is going to be in good shape? It's not about to go bankrupt. People have all kinds of scare stories oh, about yeah, it. Is that correct? I, it, it's it's in good enough shape. Yeah, it's going to it's going to make it. It's going to be though. I think some adjustments you might need to be prepared for. But this idea of it going off the cliff, no. I, there's a lot of money coming in, and it is the one social promise that no one is going to accept taking a uh, a, a complete backseat on. 
Although the people in Greece might not agree with that. <laughs> the that got. Yeah, we have about a minute to go. Just kind of sum up briefly what difference it'll make working with somebody like you to plan their retirement to have this regular income as opposed to the way most people are doing it now. Well, I think the number one thing is that we're going to take someone seriously when they say, Steve, you know, I'm tired of losing money. Uh, this is the money that has to last. What kind of an income can I create for myself? And, uh, you know, what can I do to make sure that I'm just simply not going to run out of money yet can still grow it? You would need to work with someone who is willing to show you different insurance ideas that are actually built for retirement. Pensions are nothing new. They've been around forever. The retail annuity is the uh, grand uh, granddaughter and grandson of pensions, and there are many different flavors and ideas. You can find one as long as you're working with a good fiduciary who can help you choose from the many annuities that are out there. It can really be an anchor to your entire portfolio and take the worry out of getting close with some of these market uh, events. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Steve George. He's a retirement strategist, founder of IQ Wealth Management in Arizona, uh, author of the new book called Smart is the New Rich, which you can get at his website, which is iqwealth.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Steve. You bet, Jordan. Take care now. Thanks, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.